Welcome into Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Dante DiVincenzo to my Eric Bledsoe as my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. I like, I can like Nova boys for life. So yeah, that's good. I wanted to give you the, the one I thought you would enjoy. I almost, I almost, I'm going to save it because I think I'm going to make you angry another time, but I really insulted you last week and you were very upset about it. And you so, did. You did. I want to be nice yeah. tonight. And I, and I think that the listener will agree that it was warranted as well. So <laughs> we got yeah. some pushback and it was great. I was very, yeah. I was very happy with the way that that, <laughs> that went down <laughs> with, with you and with the, with the listener. Um, we have so much to talk about tonight, man. And we're right back in that place where we were, I don't know if you remember pre COVID. Um, I know I, it's I been, barely do at this point. <laughs> it's been several decades, but there was a point pre-COVID where um, we would get on this these episodes and we'd talk about like, gosh dang, I wish we could do I wish we could do a daily podcast or at least like a three times a week podcast because there's just so much to talk about. Um, and then during <laughs> during COVID, I definitely was like, well, thank God we don't have to fill another hour because good grief. How is, how is sports radio doing it right now? <laughs> um, but now we're back. We're back hardcore. And um, there's, there's just so much to, to discuss. We could definitely do a, a five-hour episode if we really wanted to. And that would just be talking about how terrible the referees were in Portland, Dallas tonight. But um, we're going to talk about that some at the end and, and try to be um, not, not overly biased. I will say we just watched that game. I'm glad we had about an hour between uh, the end of the game and, uh, and the beginning of this podcast because I don't know that our first hour of recording would have been usable if we'd started no. right after the we would have had to We would have had to add the explicit tag yeah, to our podcast. That was pretty hot. So. That was pretty hot. So I've, maybe I've calmed down a little bit. Maybe you have as well. We'll see. We're going to talk, talk about Portland. We're going to talk about Portland a lot tonight because they're maybe the story of the uh, – of the bubble at the moment. We're going to talk about the Lakers and how they have not been great so far. We have a thousand things we're going to hit on, but we do need to start with the Suns because we've kind of ignored them up to this point. I don't think, I don't think intentionally. I just think we didn't expect that they were going to do anything in the bubble. And they, last week there was just so much to talk about. Um, and last week, I think, if I remember correctly, they were only 4-0 when we did when we recorded. And well, it, it felt just, like, a, oh, that's a nice story. And now yeah. it does not feel like that. It feels they were, like, they were, yeah. yeah, they were the 11 seeds still last week. Like, okay. and, and then this week it just kind of exploded because they were, they were still winning and people were starting to lose. And it's like, oh, oh, dang. Man. So, Do you, so here's where we're at with the, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, as of right now, we are recording this on Tuesday night. There are two games still going, but neither of them have really any implications um, because they involve, <laughs> Three, the three teams that have been eliminated. So, um, and, and then the Bucks, uh, who are without Giannis because he went Zinedine Zidane on Mo Wagner's head. Um, he's definitely getting suspended for that, I think. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely coming down the pipe. So that will help Memphis's chances because Memphis plays Milwaukee in their final game, I believe, of, yeah, yeah, on, uh, on Thursday. So here's where we're at right now with the Suns as it relates to the standings in the West. And this is going to be, I guess, the big story that we'll talk about for the bulk of this episode. Um, right now, as we sit, the Lakers are the one seed, the Clippers are the two. The Clippers are only a game and a half up on the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets are a game and a half up on the Rockets. I guess so technically Houston could still jump up and take that three seed. Uh, but it feels like they're 
I don't want to say they're locked in, but they, they feel content to be in the four seed. Oklahoma City's the five, a game behind Houston. Utah is a half game behind Oklahoma City in the sixth seed. Dallas now sits at 11 games behind Utah. They have no chance of moving up or down, so they're locked into that seven seed. And then this is where it gets crazy. Portland is 34 and 39. They are currently in sole possession of the eight seed by a half game by by the fact that they played a different number of games than some of the uh, than uh, the Memphis has. Memphis now sits at the nine seed at 33 and 39. Phoenix <coughs> also is in the 10 seed currently. I guess they have lost. I don't even know what the tiebreaker is at this point. I'm sorry. Um, but they, they sit at a 10 seed in 30, 33 and 39. San Antonio is at 32 and 38. So they are basically all tied there. So we, we essentially have a four-way tie for the last playoff spot in the West, and which means we have a four-way tie for the two spots in the play-in tournament uh, in that Western Conference with Portland and Memphis on the inside edge at this point. Memphis has won one game out of their seven. Not great. They play Milwaukee, like I said, I believe on Thursday. Um, Portland now is five and two in their seven games. Um, San Antonio also is five and two in their seven games. And then there's Phoenix with a seven game win streak in the bubble and they look unstoppable. Yeah. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, Devin Booker has been incredible. Do you, but let me throw it to you. What do you, what's happening? What's going on here? You know, I think we need to give the Suns the the spotlight because we tended we just kind of ignored them last week, like you said, and it, they just kept going. I mean, like this is the thing about the Suns that we said for a long time. There's a lot of talent on that team. They just don't seem to be the right pieces to be put together. And I mean, who knows? Maybe being out of the Arizona Heat's good for them, or <laughs> being away from Robert Sarver is really good for them. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. All I mean, the goats they, in the office and stuff. Yeah, and they've obviously had talent for years. Like, that's never been a question, you know. And, and they even had, I mean, if, I mean, obviously it's been a long while since this happened, but they had a great start to the season, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like they're getting a redo on the start of the season again. And, and I don't remember the exact, you know, standings that they were in, but I, I want to say they started, like, you know, in their first 20 games, they were like, what, like, they were like 14 and 5, weren't they? They, I, mean, I know was, they started like five and two, and maybe maybe they were seven and two at one point, something like that. I mean, yeah, they started really well. Yeah, and so I mean, maybe this is just it just bodes well that this is kind of like a restart of the season. But I mean, you know, Aiton's healthy. You know, Rubio has proven that he's a good point guard in teams like these. Booker has been an unstoppable scoring machine. Um, they've had they have Aaron Baines now, who you know that that ends up being a decent pickup for from the Celtics and man, Michael Bridges like in the, in the scrimmages was showing out. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, he's been good. I mean, like we, we loved Michael Bridges, Bridges coming out of the draft, you know, and I thought that, you know, he was going to be a decent player for this team and he's done a really good job in this, in this restart, like a really, mm-hmm. really good job. And so, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Like it's like we. I, I had to remind myself. I'm still talking about the Suns. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you don't you don't expect this kind of thing from them lately. It is very odd um, because they do have. You're right. They have the talent. They've had, but they've but they've had over the course of the last 20 years. They've had plenty of times where they've had talent, mm-hmm. and they haven't really done anything with it because they they always find a way to screw it up. I I've been I've been low on on Booker in the past, um, and I you know. The, I will choose to, I don't know. I, I don't ever have a problem. I, I don't think I do. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I don't usually have a problem admitting when I'm wrong. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think he's, he has matured and evolved immensely. Um, 
And I think that's been happening through the course of the season, and you're just seeing like the like a more finished product. The thing that I see with him <clears throat> more now than I had in the past is how willing he is to use his body uh, to get mid range shots and 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 paint shots uh, over settling for settling for the threes because. I, to me, that's been part of the problem. He is he can be a very physical player. He's he's thick and he's big and he uses his shoulders really, really well. And then he will he just doesn't he for me, it seemed like he does not and it's not like I'm watching eighty two Suns games a year, but um I just didn't feel like he he ever used that enough. And in the play or excuse me, in this in the bubble, he has I've been very impressed with how frequently he has opted to go that route rather than dribble 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 settle for for a long three um you look at his like shooting numbers and every night he's putting up like 35 plus points a game and then you look at his his three-point numbers it's like man he only had one one or two threes he's he's just yeah he's getting buckets closer to the basket and um, yeah and it's really impressive the way he's he's matured on that front well and don't forget that this is the before this season was the off season of him crying about double teams mm-hmm. in, yeah, at, at LA sure. Fitness, and so mm-hmm. you know, like like to your point, I think he is kind of like taking a different step towards leadership and towards winning. And it's, I mean, gosh, like you, you have to as a, as a Suns fan and as a Suns you know uh, executive, you have to think to yourself, okay, well, this might actually be something. Like not saying mm-hmm. that they're going to go and win the West necessarily, but right, right. I mean, they've been they've been so good. In this, in this little restart, yeah. in, the, in the way the, that they're playing, too. Right. The other thing that I would say that I think they've benefited from, um, and we said at the beginning of the season, like everybody, it's not like we, we were unique to this, Monty Williams is a... I don't know if Monty Williams is one of the 10 best coaches in the league. It's not really important at this point because this is not a team that is trying to be... that is going to be one of the you know five or 10 best teams in, in the league. So it doesn't that doesn't really matter. What I do know is he is an adult. <laughs> and he yeah. has... I, I think you could see that from the outset that there was a different maturity level with this team that has been lacking over the previous however many number of years. Um, and then Aiton immediately got suspended, and you're just like, okay, here we go again with this guy and and the stuff that he just he always kind of seems like he he's he makes the wrong choices in a lot of ways. Regardless, um, I just think they they they're playing like a cohesive team, and when you watch them on the court. They all have roles, and they play their roles really, really well. I don't know how that translates ultimately in the playoffs, if they make it, or into next year beyond. I know it gives them some some momentum moving forward. But when you watch the, those five guys, when they roll out there with with uh, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio and Mikael Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson, who I thought was a terrible draft pick, still hate the opportunity cost on that but he's turned out to be a really good player for them and and he he's just a shooter that's and that's all he's doing and then on defense they're using him basically as a four and he's held up much better uh as a defensive player than i thought that he was going to so uh, you know i'm 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 wrong on that but he has a role he knows his role he plays his role and then Aiton is kind of the the wild card on that i i'm still I find myself. I listened to a ton of, of NBA pods this week, and I and I, I I read a bunch of stuff. I still find myself less impressed with Aiton than I guess the 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 national media is at this point. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's on me, or maybe we're we're I, I don't know. I, I see I see what could be, but I just I'm still not super super in on on what he 
totally brings to the table. But he's also a second-year center, and that's really difficult <laughs> to, uh, to, to be as good as he is at this point. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see that play out over the next couple of seasons. But, but Booker looks like he's in complete control um, when he's on the floor, and these guys all just have re- – they know their roles, and they stick to them, and it's awesome. Mikael Bridges is one of the, I don't know, five best wing defenders in the league right now. I mean, it's – he's – really stinking good we saw him give luca trouble he kind of shut down tj warren in the game that uh they played against indy and and so they all have the roles and then you got a freaking campaign coming off the bench um who to me has been forever has been like the basketball version of of chris davis the guy that used to play for the rangers it's like a 4a hitter right yeah, he's not yeah. good enough for the majors but he's too good for triple a and that's been campaign for a long time and he's out there getting buckets and, and playing really well. Javon Carter is hitting threes. Javon Carter can't shoot from four feet away, and all of a sudden he's he's banging in threes and stuff. So mm-hmm. they got a groove going. They're hot, um, and that that hotness I think is translated to the whole team in that kind of we believe Warriors kind of way. I mean, it's it really they really have some of that mojo going, um, but it all stems to me from from Monty Williams and from. Um, the, the maturation of, of Devin Booker into what he has, he has been over these seven games. Yeah. I, I, I almost in a weird way feel myself rooting for them to make this play in game just because I just want to see what happens. I mm-hmm. think they'll get destroyed by the Lakers, but yeah, I, yeah. I would not be opposed at all to seeing them make this play in game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're an interesting story now. I mean, again, listen to a ton of, of pods and read a lot of stuff this week. I, I mean, it's still the Suns, and um, the history of the Suns in the Robert Sarver era, and it's not like it changed. I mean, James Jones' track record is, is uh, to call it spotty, I think would be very generous. Um, I mean, he's only been on the job for a year and a half or so, and, and not, not great, still not great. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I heard a couple of different pods were like, well, I mean, they did trade TJ Warren for literally nothing and had to trade picks away to, 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 to get him <laughs> off the roster. But, but, hey, they signed Ricky Rubio out of it. And I just thought, well, but that's not – that's still an opportunity cost. If you are having to shed draft picks in order to get rid of TJ Warren, then you've, something is wrong. Like, some, you've, you've screwed something up. And same goes for uh, D'Anthony Melton and, and Josh Jackson. To get, him off, to get them off the books, they had to trade Memphis picks and stuff. It's just – there's Frank Kaminsky. I mean, there's still lots of things that I think you say, really guys, this is, I don't know. So to me, I don't know. There's still plenty of ways that they can screw this up next season, but, but it's certainly fun times if you're a Suns fan. Right. And that's, that's, those have been few and far between over the last half decade, at least. Yeah, totally. And also their Twitter presence is awesome. So, um, that helps <laughs> at least yeah. a little bit in my book. In yeah, my book. agreed. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Their offensive rating um, over their last seven games is, uh, according to NBA.com, is they're ninth in the league in offensive rating, but they're third in defense and uh, and third in, in in their net rating. And they're just, I don't know that you could quite call it grinding out wins, but like today against Philly, and yeah, Philly's super undermanned, and we're going to talk about them in just a second, but still, that game was tight down the stretch, and it was kind of a Devin Booker. Oh, don't worry, guys. I got this. I'm just going to go to work here, get a bucket, get it, and uh, and we're going to be we're going to be okay. Um, and that's that's just that's maturation that I don't think we would have seen from the Suns mm-hmm. um, pre bubble, <clears throat> let alone last year or, or year before, or whatever. Yeah, so I totally agree. 
I mentioned Philly. Let's just touch on them real fast because we talked about Philly a ton over the over the year. Uh, ben Simmons, I think is they haven't said, but he's done for the season. You, if you're flying home to get a to get a piece of bone removed from your knee, you're not coming back to a six seed team. I think um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'm end up being wrong on that, but I, I just I don't see it. And then Joel Embiid rolled his ankle five minutes into the game. Uh, against uh, against Portland, right? Um, yeah. And so they're now <laughs> they're now a bit, I think, a bit decimated. I don't know, man. I, in some ways, I'm I'm always bummed when somebody gets injured. From from a standpoint of like, I just want to see what this team can bring to the table. I'm a little bit bummed from that perspective because I think we were going to see them completely be the team that we think that that you and I think that they are and have talked about ad nauseum over the length of this the, the course of this podcast and and now there's there's a bit of an out to say well Embiid was hurt again and Simmons was out and all this sort of stuff I I I don't know I I don't have a whole lot to say on Philly other than it stinks when people get injured I hate it yeah um also this has been the history of of this team over the last this this rebuild era yeah and the worst part about this too is that I mean we said the last two weeks that they had a real good shot of knocking Boston off from where they're at right now. And also, if you're a Philly fan, you have to start worrying about, is this going to give the management a reason to keep Brett Brown around, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, you would like to think that he's done enough to show that he's probably not the coach to get them to the next level. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, we're in Dallas and we saw for years, the Jones family keep, you know, keep, Jerry, uh, Jason Garrett around because mm-hmm. the Cowboys were mediocre. And that's just, that's kind of seem, you know, it seems like that Brett Brown has that excuse built in every year that we, we think that they probably need to be, you know, moving on, but it's like, well, yeah, but Embiid missed 30 games and, you know, let's give him one more shot to do this. And well, Simmons was gone. And so it just, it just feels like this is a constant, you know, problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I said last week. I re- I'll reiterate. This is the team that that is that is the the, uh, the Dennis Green. They are who we thought they are. I mean, they, they we keep saying, "Well, they have a lot of talent," and blah blah blah. And then, and they keep underachieving. You know, I think you're exactly right. If I'm a Philly fan, if I'm our buddy Josiah, I'm pretty nervous that management uses this as an excuse to to bring back the team and run it back one more time. And I think they already should have moved on from Brett Brown to try to find somebody who can who can utilize. Mm-hmm the roster that they put together um, because otherwise you're, you're pushing, you're kicking the can down the road for another year of can we keep Embiid and Simmons together? Does it work? Um, I'll tell you that it does not, but, but I perhaps could have been proven wrong this year if they were both healthy. I, I just, I don't know. There's just so many things that go into that, that I don't know. I, I hate basing my, the building of my team, especially a team that's this far along in the process, I hate basing it on, on what ifs, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if Joel Embiid gets serious about his conditioning for the first time in his career, and if uh, Ben Simmons shoots t- 27% from three <laughs> instead of 0%, and if this and if that, then they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. I just, I don't know. That's fine if you're the Pelicans or the Mavericks or, mm-hmm. you know, one of these teams, it's, it's not, it's not fine anymore when you're in your, whatever this is, four or five of, of this construction. That's we're past And you're going to have to start making decisions soon with what you do next. Right. 
And you've seen that your two star players that you're now paying a lot of money don't have not shown results at the same time on the court consistently. Whether they actually work together or not, if you if you want to even take an optimistic route from that or to that, and I can say, yeah, we, we just haven't seen enough of it. Okay, but we still haven't seen it, right? We haven't seen we have seen Simmons play really well when Embiid is out. We have seen Embiid play really well when Simmons is out. And when the two of them are together, typically either Embiid has a great game or Simmons has a great game and they don't do it at the same time and they go in long stretches where one of them kind of phases out or the other one. And mm-hmm. it's it just it probably doesn't work. Again, I f- in some ways I I think we both have said I don't think either of us were huge fans of Ben Simmons, but I don't think that this that the the front office has done a very has done right by him in the roster construction because it has not it is not played to his strengths whatsoever and he is in a really bad position. Now, whether or not I think we're both a little bit low on Ben Simmons compared to consensus so whether or not it would ever translate to the way that we really that 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 Simmons fans want it to be I don't know but but I don't think they've ever put him in a great position to succeed and and now we're again what what are we doing in the offseason what what, what's the what's the what's the go-to here um if if and when they get bounced Mm -hmm. which I think they're looking at it now pretty pretty yeah I mean now there's no I mean all that stuff we said about them possibly taking the three seed is just it's just gone now I mean there's no way if Embiid comes back and he plays like Embiid, it's still... I mean, he was the threat to Boston, not Simmons. So sure. it's it's possible still, but I just... I don't know, man. I'm just so tired of, of Embiid. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean... Guys get hurt, and it's not their fault that they get hurt. And, and so I don't, I'm not holding that against him, but, but, but this... Even before the, the, the ankle... I don't know, man. Like the four games that we had seen up to that point, or whatever. I'm, I'm, I've lost the the standings here in front of me. Um, so maybe I'm adding a game. Yeah, the the five games that we had, four games up until, till the uh, the turned ankle or whatever. It's just more of the same for me with him. It's like, man, 41 points and 21 rebounds is awesome. Why are you just kind of lingering away from the basket? Why are you whining? Why are you posing? Why are you doing all this stuff that just I don't know, man. We talk about Devin Booker and the maturation process. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> seems like the opposite way. <laughs> Let's see it, man. Let's see it. I don't know. I just get real tired of, and I, I, I know you're the same way as me, but like, I, I just, I have a real hard time. Uh, I have a real hard time rooting for somebody who I fully believe at the end of the day, we're going to say, man, that guy wasted so much potential. And that just is Embiid in a nutshell to me, but I don't know. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, three teams are out at this moment as we are recording right now. Uh, the Washington Wizards have not won a game in the bubble. Duh. Um, I don't think they stood a chance at, at doing so, but maybe you we shouldn't even let them, you should not even let them come like at that point. Like, I know that's again, you know, I totally get why the East teams especially would vote against it, but it would be really cool if, uh, <laughs> If we could just have the 16 best teams in for this, um, that would be nice because the Wizards had no business being here. Um, they're out. That's the last I'm going to say about the Wizards. Pelicans and Kings. We can have a, a short funeral for each of these two teams. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the Kings because they're not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> what a, I mean, what a, just, what a disappointing you know, situation. Like They just 
Luke Walton looked terrible in his rotations. Uh, there, you know, De'Aaron Fox is just wasting away. Buddy Heald is wasting. Like he's probably going to be gone after this year. It's just this. This just seemed like a slow, like funeral march for what's to come for this team. Because I just I think that this team is going to be blown up this this year minus De'Aaron Fox. And so, you know, I don't think Bogdanovich will stay. I don't think you know. I mean, like if they're if they're lucky, Harrison Barnes will get traded somewhere else. But there's no way that no one's anybody's gonna take that deal, you know. And it just, I mean, it's just just a horrible, I mean, just a horrible makeup, you know, in a coach that doesn't seem to have a grip on how to play him either. Yeah, that's my thing. It's I said when we did our preview, our restart or whatever, like play them all together, man. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with Fox and Bogdanovich and Heald on the floor at the same time. Because you're not stopping anybody, so why don't we why don't we give that a shot? And instead, he played Corey Joseph a ton. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know, man. I don't I don't understand. I don't, I don't. I thought Lou Walton was maybe the worst coach in the league this year, and did so little with. It's not that I think that the that I felt like the Kings had enough talent to go like win the title or something, but there's a lot. Of, there is a, a decent amount of talent on that roster. Um, and and it's just constructed in the dumbest way possible, and then and then the rotations are terrible. The way he plays, you know, Fox is gonna have to. We're gonna have to figure out with Fox next year. The big question for me with Sacramento is gonna be, and you know how much I loved Aaron Fox. Like, is he a guy who can win basketball games, or is he just a guy that that can put up really awesome stats? But also I, give yeah. him a team that can be better for yeah. him. Like that's yeah. the thing is like that's like I I totally agree with you. Like, but. He hasn't had a chance to even like play on a proper team that's built for him. You know, mm-hmm. I just I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. In, in theory, I mean, putting shooters around a guy that can that is maybe the fastest player in the league and can break down any defense he wants and is a really good defender. In theory, that should work. And then they just find ways to screw it up. I don't know that Barnes contract. <laughs> it's rough. And I again, it's, that's another he, and, guy that yeah, that I like. Love him. I like but. Harrison Barnes, but. I don't like him at, at $25 million on this team. Um, Bagley was injured constantly. I mean, you want to talk about a bad contract, though. It's not that the deal is that bad, okay? It's that they gave him the deal essentially because he was – because Buddy Heald was kind of making noise about, I want out of here if I don't get my extension. They gave him a, a, a pretty huge contract, and then – they moved him to the bench and he doesn't consistently get on the floor and 20, do you want to pay buddy Hill $26 million next year? I don't, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's, I don't think, let me put it this. I do not believe that buddy Hill is getting four years, hundred million dollars on the open market. No. If he, if he hit the market this year and he was a restricted free agent. So you could have, I understand the, I understand the mentality of like, we don't want to, um, we don't want to piss off our, our guys like like Utah did with Gordon Hayward. Um, we don't want to send them to to restricted free agency and just say bring us a deal and we'll see if we you know we'll match it if you can go get it. I get that. I just I, I don't love when a team gives up its its flexibility and Denver did the same thing with Jamal Murray. Um, yeah. Before they have to do it, I don't. I just don't love that. I just think it's a bad it's a bad play. So now, are you going to pay Bogdanovich? When you're already paying Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes next year will make $22 million. Corey Joseph will make $12.6 million. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's rough. He's gonna, he, that's, that's awful. That's an awful amount of money. And I, 
he's fine as a player. Um, Fox will have to get you. You'll start looking at his extension next year. Um, are you? Are, and you, and then Heald's got twenty six million dollars, and and you haven't even touched Marvin Bagley yet. Are you really going to give Bogdanovich? 20 or 22 million dollars somewhere between 17 and 22 million dollars a year i i don't know that you can do that and in one of the smaller markets in in basketball i i just what a cluster man i it's 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 just real bad and buddy did not by the way the, the other part of this is part of this extension was buddy was making noise about it well then trade me and now that's definitely happening again in the off season right like that's for sure happening yeah and also like i i think that some some team might actually just come in and money whip him and it, and it's it's going to go poorly for either with them Bogdanovich. Or, yeah yeah totally. with, yeah sorry i just yeah yeah no i don't know i just gosh it's it just it, it's a team like you're right it could it could be made up well for fox but the team that the make it is but also combine that with walton as a coach mm-hmm. it just it's mm-hmm. a, it's a horrible horrible mix yeah Another coach that I think is done is is Alvin Gentry with the Pelicans. So let's let's move there next. Um, I don't know that he's gotten. Look, Gentry is a guy that I that that here's where I, here's where I stand on him. I I don't know that he's he's a very good coach, but the guys seem to like him, and I don't know that he's gotten a great shake there I, it, this season. I don't think it's fair necessarily to judge him on how this season went, given how. They brought in all these guys, and then Zion misses all but 19 games, and then he's on this weird minutes restriction. And you know that's that's not Gentry. That's coming from that's mm-hmm. coming from David Griffin and and the front office and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know that it's fair to say, hey man, you didn't do a very good job with this team, so you're out. I do think it might be proactive. Like there's another coach we're going to talk about maybe in a second at the end of this that I don't think. I don't think should be fired at all. Name, let's just say the, the idea that Nate McMillan is, is on the hot seat is insane to me. I don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't know how you could look at what the Pacers are and the, the number of games that Brogdon and Oladipo and now Sabonis have missed over the course of this season and say, you didn't do a good job with that. Um, I think that's incredibly foolish of, of the Pacers. If they're actually going to end up letting him go um but but gentry to me i i i i don't know where do you stand on this i kind of feel like you can look at the 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 work that he's done and say it may not be fair to judge this all on this season but i don't know that you're the coach to take us to the next level i think i would agree with all of what you said i think a lot of that could also depend on who you're going to replace him with Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like if you have the options to go get somebody that's going to fit the team better which I don't, I don't have any names because I don't know. Like if that's if that's an option, that's a different mm-hmm. story. But if you're gonna fire Gentry and then go hire Luke Walton, you know, right, like, right, right. That's sure, that's sure. not that's not an up- upgrade, you know. So they don't don't fire him without a plan. I guess is, is the better way to mm-hmm. put that. Because like now, if you fire him and then you have a shot at you know Becky Hammond or uh Usai Mejri or you know not Usai Mejri uh who's the other um Ime Udoka yeah there you go Ime Udoka like that's different because even though they aren't proven they've worked with a a pretty high pedigree you know mm-hmm. and, and there will be some excitement behind that you know I just but I also wonder like how much that because I mean that locker room really rallied around Gentry whenever they lost they lost um anthony davis and so uh-huh. yeah there, there is something to be said about that that it, what are you going to do to the locker room if you if you get rid of him i guess mm-hmm. is a question i would have to ask 
so that's where I would say that was the clincher for me because I'm totally with you. I thought last year he won himself or he, he proved himself by how the guys responded to him when all that stuff went down with Anthony Davis. The flip side of that now, I think, is what you see coming out of the Spurs game when, by the way, they looked awful. That was a, that was a, that was a winner-go-home game against the Spurs, and they got obliterated in the first half. And they ended up coming back and making it a game, but in the first half, it was Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick out there playing like professional basketball players and busting their butts and trying to do everything they could. I mean, Holiday had a terrible game, but he was working. He's doing everything he can. And everybody else looked like they could care less about that game. And Mm -hmm. second half, things kind of changed. But J.J., Zion, and Drew all, I think, maybe it was Drew. Maybe there was a third. Somebody else. It doesn't matter. Multiple players after the game were like, "Uh, yeah, that was not good. We came out flat. We did not have a plan. We seemed very bad. Like, they they didn't come out and say, we're putting this all on, on the coach. Um but they did kind of make it clear that like this team was not ready to play for the, for today. And that usually ends up falling on the coach. So I know Simmons, I don't want (laughs) to, Bill Simmons has been in plenty of hot water. So maybe I shouldn't even bring him up, but on, on his podcast with Rosillo, he said um, that this seems like he feels like this is where Ty Lue ends up. Um, And that, that kind of makes some sense given what the, the relationship that he has with, uh, with David Griffin and whatnot. So, I don't like I I don't like Ty Lue as a coach really. He's not not a big fan of of that, but um that seems like a lateral move in a lot of ways. I, I tend to agree with you. But but maybe maybe enough that um maybe it just a, a different voice makes makes a difference. I don't know, man. I It's almost unfair because I don't know that you could really look at how this season played out and say and you certainly couldn't have known how this was going to go. I still kind of go back to maybe, I guess my point is this is very hindsight, but I still kind of go back to what I said in the off season and think, I I think I'd probably would have traded Drew Holiday and not signed JJ Redick and been willing to be not good this year instead of this middle putting ground. some artificial pressure on ourselves to to compete and be be good. Yeah, um, I mean, no one was expecting you to be good this year, you know, especially with Zion coming off the injuries he was coming off of, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then it didn't seem to matter, you know, and they just yeah. kind of went for it, and now you're in this awful no-man's land of a either a late lottery or a, a not a good playoff spot. So, mm-hmm. I guess there's still time to turn that around. I mean, I, I think you could get a really good haul for Drew Holiday. I think what he brings to the table would benefit the Mavericks or the Nuggets, um, let alone like the Lakers or the Clippers. I mean, good gracious. But those teams that are like trying to make the next step from we're a playoff team now, we're trying to be a a real contender. He can make a huge difference on some of those teams. Mm -hmm. I think they could get a a good return for him. Um, I think you probably get a, not a great return. You could get something for JJ Reddick. So I guess there's still time to to pivot to that. But now you're also going to be paying Brandon Ingram the max as well. So it's like you kind of missed this year where you could have said, "Hey, we got all these guys, we've got all these picks in, we got the number one pick in the draft. We're not going to rush it. We're going to put him in a good position to come back to come in in 2021 and in 2020 21 and be really good." And also, this is a great time to suck <laughs> because. 
spoiler alert, if you look at the West, the landscape of the Western Conference next year, boy, we, we thought this year was packed. Yeah. Um, holy cow. There's not, there's not a bad team in the West next year if everybody stands pat. With and, there, and it just seems like everybody's getting better, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it would have been a good time to, again, I know that's 2020, but I feel okay saying that because I was saying in the, I know we both were in the offseason, like, I might go the opposite route of this sort of half rebuild. I think I would go all in on, on rebuild. But yeah. Their season's over. The future is bright for them if they can get Zion healthy, but that was a that's a question mark at this point. But we've talked about Zion tons. So we'll 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 do more in in the uh, in the future, I'm sure. Did you enjoy the bubble god TJ Warren against uh, against Jimmy Butler yesterday? I it was almost like I I, I was actually rooting for TJ Warren because <laughs> that's it's you know we talked about earlier. I think it was either off air or on the air, but like basically. It's weird that TJ Warren is doing this because Jimmy Butler already basically shut him up earlier this year. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he doesn't seem yeah. like the kind of guy that, or he, at least in the past, he didn't seem like the kind of guy that, like, you know, bucked back at people who bucked at him. And it was like, oh, look, it's Bubble God, you know? And mm-hmm. so I was really hoping that there would be like a chapter two, like, you know, the, you know, Karate Kid comes back and ends up beating <laughs> Cobra Kai, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And it, it was, it wasn't, he wasn't as bad as he was the first time when they got in a fight about it, but. He definitely shrank a little bit compared to, I guess anybody would though in those situations. Because mm-hmm. man, I, I I agree with what you said on Twitter is that he needs to be referred to as the Bubble God from now on. Like <laughs> that has to be his name from now on. There's no other al- alternative. So, so a little bit of a bummer, but also really cool that we're even talking about how fun it is to watch T.J. Warren versus Jimmy Butler. So yeah, hey, let's get seven games of that, man. Let's let's see that. I'm I'm. I'm way more excited for that, given the weird feud between these two. Um, so I'm I'm way more excited about a Pacers Heat playoff series than I than I ever thought that I would. Oh be. yeah, so and that adds some drama. I to would it. love to see, which I love the Heat the Heat too. What they what they put together, but man, T.J. Warren continuing Bubble God against the Heat would be yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't really have so a dog much. in that hunt, but I, I would enjoy seeing game one and Warren comes out and drops like 40 on, on Jimmy Butler. And just, then it just, it starts the whole thing. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him get the advantage once or twice. That would really, that would really put it over the top because otherwise it just feels like Jimmy Butler bullying him. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, let's look at this list. Are the Lakers good, Tobin? I don't, I'm no. not. <laughs> We already we already kind of talked about how outside of the handful of stars, like outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, like they are they're weak. And we were trying to figure out how in the world they were so good. Remember, we talked about this, like Mm -hmm. how their their supportive cast is so weird that it should not work on paper. And it did for a while. Mm -hmm. And we might be seeing the flip side of that now, it seems like I you know, it's so hard to judge with LeBron and by proxy with LeBron teams because we have a long history of LeBron not caring until until it's playoff time, you know. And and even sometimes until it's until it's game six or seven of a playoff series. I mean, what year was it with Toronto where it was like we got we got a chance, guys, this is really close and then he was like, <laughs> No, thank you and just sort of quietly and disposed of them um so it's really hard to judge with lebron teams i would be concerned if i was a lakers fan i think because i don't know that there's a 
I don't know that the rest of these guys have a switch. And as we said on our, our restart, it may not matter because when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you have two of the, whatever, six or seven best players in the league. And, um, and that, that's maybe enough. And, but you typically are going to need at least two guys to step up and have big games. Um, and they're the depth, <laughs> the options of guys who, who are capable of doing that is getting shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, Rondo's out. I mean, I really believe I said this two weeks ago, but I really believe Avery Bradley was really important to the defensive scheme that they were running. They really needed his dogged effort on on ball handlers, and yeah. they don't have that. And there's nobody to replace that. I, like Caruso is okay as a, a, a fine defender, but it's not the same thing. And they're really gonna, they're really missing that. And now Caruso got a little banged up last night against Denver. I don't know how bad that that ends up being, but. Some of these other guys have not looked very good in the bubble. Um, I gather that Dwight Howard is is being Dwight Howard uh, behind the scenes again. So, 100%, yes. <laughs> and, then, and then that leads to probably is what leads LeBron to start doing his passive-aggressive garbage that, that just drives me insane with his comments of like, well, there's stuff going on that we're dealing with and all this. I, I just... The whining about, well, there's no fans. Like, well, it doesn't seem to be bothering Damian Lillard. So maybe you can figure out how to play basketball, LeBron. I don't know. But so I don't know if it's a thing where I can just turn on, I can flip the switch and we can get going again. What I do know is that their stats don't look good. And the way that the, that they're, they're the worst offense in the bubble by a relatively fair stretch. Um, And their defense has been good. So maybe it doesn't matter, but. I mean, really, dude, their offensive rating right now is 103. In the last seven games, is 103, uh, 103 offensive rating, which is 17 off the lead. Okay. Yeah. Portland's at 121. And everybody 18. has been super offensive in the bubble, except for them, it mm-hmm. seems like. Too. Yeah. Right. So. And therefore, and they're you know they're still very high on defense. They're like the fourth rated defense, but their net rating then drops down to their minus 5.6 and. And then you go and you look at the the stats on it, and it's just not real impressive. They had a really impressive stretch against Utah, and they had two really good stretches against against uh, the Clippers. But otherwise, it's not been good. And they had to do everything in their power, including having Kyle Kuzma go supernova to beat a Denver team that was doing everything it can to lose. I want to talk about those wieners in a little bit, but... Um, they, LeBron and the AD were out there going up against PJ Dozier and and Bull Bull and and really I mean it took everything they had to get that game, including LeBron. I, I kill Luca for this all the time, so I got to do it with LeBron too. But like you just got matched up with Bull Bull with the game on the line two plays before you blew by him for an and one of the easiest and ones I've ever seen in my life. And instead, he just kind of sized him up and shot a fadeaway 30-foot three-pointer. Like, that's that's not great. That's not what we want. And moreover, Anthony Davis has not looked good. I think that's he's the bigger He's looked really bad. Like, that's that's what I was about to say is that he's putting up – he's getting points on the, on the, you know, box score. But, like, whenever you score 27 points, but out of 124, I, I like – I'm not saying it's not good, but – the way he's getting them is not good. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he's not dominating the boards. He's not playing great defense like he usually does. And it just seems like he's kind of lost out there right now. And that was kind of one of my points was if 
I mean, like you said it earlier, if LeBron is on and LeBron has that level that he can get to that very few other people can, like you can't count them out in any game because of that. But if LeBron is on and Davis is not on, who else are you going to go to? I mean, like you said, Kuzma had to go like shoot out of his mind, mm-hmm. which is not normal for him to beat the Nuggets. And the Nuggets are not of you know clicking. Team they weren't right trying. Now. They were trying yeah. to lose that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Davis, you know, started the game against the Clippers. He was great, and then he looked insane against Utah in that stretch where they just blew that game open. Otherwise, not impressive. Really, not impressive. And again, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know how to judge the 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 flip the switch with with them and the with the Lakers and, and LeBron. But <clears throat> but goodness, I I'm not. I'd be worried. It, it does. It does. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Now in a week or two weeks, we may be like, well, I'm an idiot because. LeBron did flip that switch and they they look great. But there's just there's there's not enough shooting on the floor. AD insists that he is a power forward, not a center, and so we're he doesn't want to play center, so we're perpetually playing with either McGee or Howard on the floor. And when you do that, there's not enough shooting. So now Davis needs to be a three-point shooter, but there's not enough playmaking on the floor except for LeBron. And so he is when he is in catch and shoot mode from the outside. He's a he's a he's a really good three point shooter. When he's in catch now, create a three point shot. It just it does, it's not really his bag. And so and you can kind of see that on the court. He feels he feels like he's uncomfortable with some of the stuff yeah. that he's being asked to do offensively. And I don't know, man. It, that's that's kind of been a bit of a history with him to me. I I don't know. He he is somebody that for me personally, I I need you to prove it. I need you to prove that you are actually one of the six or seven best players. In well, the he's never really had a chance to do that other than just like some Pelicans teams that, you know, beat some. Right. That game. sweep they had against Portland. Yeah. Two, and that's it. Two years ago. And so, yeah. you know, some people will use that as an excuse to not blame him. But it's like, no, if anything, this is his time that he needs to show he can actually put his money where mm-hmm. his mouth is, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the hard thing about this particular situation is we just don't know how much behind the scenes is it that these players are just like, yeah, it's just the bubble games, whatever, you know? And, and that's the, that's the fear for me is, you know, not fear, but like (laughs) we could, we could be saying all this stuff and the next week, next Monday when playoffs start, you know, the Lakers might come out and beat whoever is the eight seed Mm -hmm. by 50 Mm -hmm. and look just, just fine. So for me, it comes down to this. I'm not concerned (laughs) that you're not, you can go Oh and eight in the bubble games because they didn't have anything to really play for. So it's fine. It's, it's whatever. And they really manned up, at the end of the Clippers game, and that was a game that clearly mattered to them, um, that they go out and, and get that game. Um, but it, but I do want to see, I want to do see, if I'm a Lakers fan, I want to see stretches where the LeBron AD thing works really well and shows like, okay, this is what it's going to be in the playoffs when they're playing 38 minutes a night and they're really trying. And again, outside of the end of the Clippers game and then that one run in the third and into the fourth of, of the Utah game, I just I don't think we've seen that at all. And in fact, we've seen, <laughs> ugh, this looks rough. Like, this is not a good offense whatsoever. Yeah, so. and if you do lose Caruso, you're, I mean, you're basically at this point banking on Dion Waiters and Taylor <laughs> Horton Tucker to be your, sure. your backup backcourt, yeah. you know, and that's sure. just, that's going to be awful. For sure. Uh, the NBA put out the awards finalists. Is there anything there that, surprised you or that no. you feel like needs to comment on I no guess? i mean like they, it, it was what it was like sure it was i think i think if we if i remember correctly it was exactly what we predicted it to be so 
Yeah, pretty close. I think maybe the only thing that I was not necessarily surprised on, but like, I we all knew that Giannis LeBron was going to be one two on the the MVP ballot, and we're interested to see who that third slot was. Um, to have it end up being Harden, I'm not against it. I'm not saying that's wrong or anything like that. I just was interested in that. Um, I think that that race between Harden, Kawhi, Luca. Lillard and, and Anthony Davis um, was very interesting. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how that top six plays out uh, when, yeah. when the voting all comes out. But I, I guess I was a little surprised that Harden ended up being the, the third guy on that list. It is to, funny, not funny. I, I will note that you guys were shocked that I put Billy Donovan in my top three of coaches of the year. And sure enough, the NBA voters agreed with me. I don't know if that's a thing I should brag about or not, though. <laughs> Yeah, I think Donovan was like fourth or fifth on my list. I I will say this: if I had to redo it, I would take Chinkins off because he's not been good in the bubble at all. Yeah, um, I would agree. His his rotations have been terrible. Um, I don't really understand some of the some of the decisions that he's made. I keep putting off the Raptors, and I feel bad about that because we have Raptors fans who listen, and I'm just like, I don't know what to say because they're really good. <clears throat> they came out with that statement win against the Lakers. They backed it up with the win against Miami. They've kind of dinked around a little bit. Um, they didn't really play their team against up against the Celtics and things like that. I just is Fred Van Vliet, excuse me, Fred Van Vliet, is he the best player on that team right now? Like he's been insane in the I in know. The I think that they've I, I I could be way off here, but I, I actually was watching the game against the Celtics and I thought to myself, I wonder if they're just not showing their full their full cards right now. And they're just like, Yeah, we'll get some people tuned up and and we'll just kind of, you know, play who we want to play. And then we're going to because like they, they're already locked in the two. They know that their their goal is to get to that Eastern Conference finals and mm-hmm. and punch um, the, you know, the bucks in the mouth. And I, I hate to say this, but considering they've been a surprise all year long, we can't really count them out yet. And we mm-hmm. can't, we can't, not that anybody's counting them out, but we can't, yeah, yeah, we sure. can't ignore, you know, the fact that they've been consistently pretty great. And now that if yeah. Fred Van, man, and if Fred Van Vliet is getting locked in, that's dangerous. <laughs> that's dangerous for a, a lot of people. So I, I'm excited about it. Like I'm excited to see what they end up doing with all this stuff, but mm-hmm. it definitely, it, de- but, but again, it's, it's just kind of weird. Cause like, you're right. Like it's, it's easy to kind of ignore them, but at the same time, like we should, we should be not ignoring them at all. So yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I don't feel like we've ignored them as much as it's just been like, yeah, that's what we kind of expect from them. And I, I mean that from, from a, as a compliment of, I think we, we have said from the, like, this is a really good team. It's maybe it was surprising in, it was surprising in November in, in, and, yeah, and November. December, but I, I don't think it's been a surprise from, from January on. <clears throat> They're just a really good basketball team. The only real concerns I have on, on the Raptors is that number one, they do play, Nurse plays his guys a little bit more than some of these other teams have played them in the bubble and stuff. So perhaps you're perhaps you're getting four extra minutes of your best players, especially with Van Vliet and Lowry versus what Miami or Boston is doing with their guys. So and, you know, in close games, obviously that that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And maybe that doesn't make a difference in the playoffs. And Siakam has regressed. Yeah, over he the has last half of the season. Um I think we both had him on our second team all NBA. Yeah. And if the bubble counted, I definitely don't think he gets that spot. I, I yeah. Don't know. It's he would definitely forward be in, is tough, put into question for sure. Yeah. He just hasn't looked look great. He had a really good finish to 
their last game. Man, now I can't remember who they were playing, but he hit like a couple of huge buckets down the stretch and was like, okay, there's there's Siakam. Because up to that point, I was about to text you and be like, this is maybe the weakness on this team is last year they had Kawhi Leonard to go to when they had to get a bucket down the stretch. And this year, I don't know that Siakam is, is up to that task. But, but then he had a couple of huge shots, so maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. I'm very excited. I can't wait to see... I, I mean, I, I, with respect to Philly, I hope Boston beats Philly and so we get Toronto-Boston in the second round. I mm-hmm. just think that would be a really interesting and fun matchup. It would be um, really fun. Like, hopefully seven-game series, I would think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we'll see on that front. All right, dude, let's, let's talk Portland and Dallas and Milwaukee and how these things all intersect. You want to... There's, there's, there's too many things here that we're going to kind of try to compress into, into one segment. Um, do you want to go chronologically or, or by team? I don't, I don't know what the best way is to probably by to team. I would think, cause we'll probably hit the teams as we go as well. I would bet. Okay. <laughs> Let's start high. Um, the Mavs beat Milwaukee, <laughs> maybe the best game they've played this season. I would say from, from start to finish in that game, Luca got Luca had 36 points. Um, what did he end up? 12 rebounds, 12 I rebounds think? and 19 assists. Yeah. 19 assists. Um, I still have not found the assist opportunities or assist chances created yet. Um, I need to figure that out because it. I would hazard to guess it was somewhere between 30 and 40. He was transcendent in that game. Um, and I don't just mean that the pass that he threw. With between the legs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through the MVP. <laughs> Ooh, that literally got me up. I was... I, my wife and I were, were watching a show, we're watching Umbrella Academy in bed, and I, I was kind of score watching because I was, I was getting stressed out, which happens during these. <laughs> I forgot that happens. And when, in basketball games, when my team actually is, is decent or matters or whatever, um, and I was like, I got to flip over and watch part of this game. And I literally jumped up out of, of, of my seat um, when, he, when he threw that pass. To, to have the the balls to throw a an offhanded reverse between the legs pocket pass with one minute left in overtime against the best team in the league, well, boy, I don't even <laughs> I don't know the superlatives uh, to put on that man. That's that is a that is a that is a level of of confidence that I I do not believe that I will ever possess. And it could have gone very poorly. Like if that ends up getting stripped, I mean, the, everybody is talking about, man, look at this kid and his dumb, you know, decisions that he made. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. but yeah. man, what that was a good game, and it was probably the best that they they've looked. But also, <laughs> it was a little disheartening that it took all of that, and it did not seem like the Bucks were putting all of their effort <laughs> in as well. Oh, I just I disagree. Maybe I'm biased. I thought the Bucks were trying real hard to win that, but I don't. I, I mean, don't not know. not to we, necessarily but, win it, but I think that you know when when Brooke Lopez is getting a lot of playing time in crunch time, you know, <laughs> he was baking, dude. and he was baking. You're right. He was. Um, and so, I mean, you're not going to see that kind of Brooke Lopez every day. So yeah. you don't see a lot of 30, 36 point games out of, out of Brooke Lopez anymore with, with apologies to our buddy Ariel. Um, yeah, I, I just, in a, you know, we talked last week, the, the Rockets are the, the worst matchup in the league for, for, uh, for Milwaukee and Dallas might be the second worst matchup. It's just, the way that their defense is geared to give up threes 
and the way that the Rockets and the Mavs offense are geared to hunt threes, um, it's just a really it's a tough it's a tough matchup for them. I thought Maxi played Maxi Kleba and and Dorian Finney Smith did a great job against Gian- Giannis. These guys, Giannis, Harden, Lillard. Um, the best scorers in the league are the most imposing athletic freaks in the league, um, which Giannis is that. I don't, you know, but yes, Giannis, Harden, Westbrook to some degree at times, KD when he's playing, you know, Lillard, these guys, especially the way that the rules are geared now, like you're not going to, you're very rarely going to have games where you're just like, man, they shut him down. The whole point is like, did you make it hard on him? Did he did he just crush your your soul with with every time he touched the ball? Absolutely, you know. And they did a great job against against Giannis um, and contained him really well. But yeah, like it it wasn't just that Luca had this incredible game. It's that they they came back against one of the best teams against the record wise the best team in the league. It's that um, they won a game at the clutch, which has been the, the Achilles heel of, of this team, uh, the all season, like, like it usually is for young teams. Um, it's that they hit free throws down the stretch. It's that Luca took the last shot, which is what we've been yeah, begging that's, for. We've been, we've the been last... crapping about that for a while. Yeah. And so there was a lot of things there that were just like, gosh, that's, that's a, that's a win that potentially, um, can have, you know, big ramifications moving forward or, or, or can give you the the boost that that you really um needed now let's let's flip back let's flip over to portland i mean this team dame lillard is on another planet right now and it's like the second he had that stretch in like what was it february Mm -hmm. january february where he was certainly the best scorer in the league probably the best player in the league and just was just unbelievable for a for a two three week stretch um and now he's on this thing again. I, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Of the two, I like Dame Lillard. Of the two of us, you have always been the, the bigger Dame fan. Let's uh, let's walk through the the Blazers, Clippers, and then the the ramifications of that apparently um, of of lighting the bomb that is Damian <laughs> Lillard. So yeah, I the the Blazers Clippers thing. I think that Dame was kind of getting a little bit of a bad rap because he was, uh, he was he, his quote. I yeah, I think I watched the interview. I think his quote was a little bit mis, I don't want to say misquoted, but kind of portrayed differently. Someone asked him basically, how did it feel to like, you know, be have Pat Beverly and Paul George chirping at you after you missed the free throws, and and he basically said, look, I put you know. Paul George out and I put Beverly out and it's their turn to talk trash basically in a, in a paraphrase way. But instead of it being, you know, reported that way, it was reported as way, well, I've already put them out so they can talk all they want, you know, and that's not really Mm -hmm. the nature of what he was saying. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like Dame does talk like that. And so I'm sure, but anyway, so then it started an Instagram battle. We all, we do love our Instagram gossip and, (laughs) and drama. That's probably my favorite part of the NBA actually. Um, but, you know, I have no problem with Dame talking mess, and especially to a Pat Beverly who's not even playing, which that's kind of a, like, like I like Pat Beverly too, but <laughs> that was kind of obnoxious. Like, I, I was just like, come on, man. Like, like, part of me is like, yes, this is amazing. Let's do more of this. But the other part of me is like, you're not in the game. Like, be quiet, basically. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm probably, that's probably a little bit different than most people. But the... uh <laughs> The after effect has now been, well, we got into this little Twitter feud, and apparently we have wrote, awoke Dame Zilla. 
and <laughs> he went off for 61 points on our beloved yeah. Mavericks tonight. F- 51 against Philly, and then backed it up with. Oh yeah, I forgot about. I even forgot about Philly. <laughs> yeah, he scored a hundred and what was a hundred and I don't know. I can't 12, do math. 120 yeah, 112 something. 112 points in two games after pat beverly basically awoke the monster and so thanks a lot pat yeah i'm gonna laugh so hard when he beats the lakers (laughs) just man man, that would be fantastic i mean this is the thing like we said this before the restart and two is that that is not a normal they were the 10 seed when they started it's not a normal 10 seed they are a dangerous team if they are playing where the way they can be playing and i think they've shown that like they haven't even been that great in a couple of games you know but They've mm-hmm. shown that they can be a very dangerous team and that really this is kind of how we all thought it would happen, you know, in a, in a way, minus the Pelicans probably, you mm-hmm. know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. The Clippers game, I, I don't know. What do you think about the Clippers game? I just think Paul George needs to shut up. But I, this was one of those where you, I, I enjoy the back and forth. I miss, I like things to be a little chippy and, and edgy and, um, I don't, you know, as, as cool as it is to like, Hey, let's try to recruit these guys to come play with us. I, I really kind of dig the screw that guy. I want to murder him. Um, I, I, I like that. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's fun. Now I, it was kind of odd to me the, the way it all transpired. Cause you got all three of these guys that are in on this, right? Like Lillard and Pat Bev and, and PG and, the whole reason we're in this is because Lillard misses two free throws with the game on the line, which never happens, but he did. He missed it. And then he kind of came off as sour grapes. I felt like mm-hmm. in the post game of like, if you're going to be the guy that waves goodbye and, and puts out, you know, rap tracks and, and whatnot and diss tracks and everything, then you're going to have to be okay when people come for you. And, and it typically, I feel like he is, but, but I don't know. He was, he was a little sour grapes after the game. But Pat Bev, who I also love, hey man, you you're not on the floor because you're never you're never healthy. So like maybe maybe you don't talk as much trash when mm-hmm. you're not out here doing anything. And Paul George just shut up. You nobody nobody with the in the league right now with the amount of talent that that dude has backs it up when it matters less <laughs> than Paul George does. That dude shrinks away from the moment perpetually, and it has been. It has been the story of his career for the last six, seven years. And so, and even this, I mean, you know, the bubble game, that that Lakers game, (laughs) you know, like, cool. It's cool you have the balls to take the shot, but you took a garbage shot and then turned to the refs and whined about, oh, he hit me when clearly he did not touch you. So, like, this is is the deal with with Paul George. You just kind of want to be like, hey, man, you have done nothing. You have not gotten out of the first round since 2014. So maybe... Maybe you're not the guy to talk mm-hmm. to. Maybe leave that to Pat Beverly. My favorite part about that was he kind of like, you know, he kind of went in with Pat Bev because Pat Bev started it. And <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, totally. and you getting sent home this year, emoji laughing face, and then respect with the fist up. And I was like, so he yeah, was like, he yeah. tried to cut the fact that he was talking, talking mess. And I loved that Dame responded basically and just didn't take it at all. He's like, okay, so keep switching teams and running from the grind. You boy is chumps. They like, him. Oh man. Oh. And, and like, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little tired of like, even tonight, like, Dame was doing the put some respect on my name and I'm like okay dude like I get it but no one's not like no one is not respecting you people speak the world of you in this game and they they want this so 
mm-hmm. maybe don't do that, especially whenever the refs are kind of handing you, you know, 20 oh of gosh. your 60 points in the last couple of minutes. Like, what do you mean? <sighs> Listen, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I'm, I think that me and you both are pretty realistic sports fans and, like, we'll be the first to tell you when we got the the – the good end of a bad call or like, and also like even with Luca, like we, me, me and you complain more and more about how Luca complains. Like we don't like mm-hmm. that. He does that. We're not those kind of fans. We don't want him complaining. We're not complaining about referees, but man, tonight's game was rough. Like it, and it's like, it's like Dame Dame. Yeah. He scored 61 points, but I would not be surprised at all. If 20 of those were free throws in the, I don't have the stats in front of me. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he shot 20 free throws and got them all tonight. Like, that, that was yeah, just he, ridiculous. He had 18. Yeah, yeah, he shot 18 free throws. It. I don't know if we should... Because I'm look, here, here's here's where I come in on this. this. This is my thing. I will complain about... When I'm watching the game, I will complain about the refs constantly. And... You know, you've you've watched plenty of games with me. I, I, will, I, will, I will wear out a referee on... On the, the you know their poor calls and stuff. When the game's over, I'm 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 done with it. It's it's I I there are few outliers to me now. The Mavs have picked up like five or six of them, eight of them. I don't know this year. So many this year. I think we said you eight say, last time. Like I think we had the, had it up to eight. Last yeah, time, for real. I just I mean you, where you say like the only time that I'm really apt to continue complaining about the refereeing. After a game is when it's in the last, you know, the last 20 seconds, the last minute, whatever. Those, those type of calls were just like, that really directly impact how the game comes to a close. Um, I think if you're, you're getting, if you get a bad call in the, in the six minutes left in the game, um, you've got six minutes to, to figure out how to make up for that call. It's a little different when you get into the last minute, last minute of the game. I have two complaints on this. One of them is super not a homer. Complaint. Uh, you can you decide. You you're the one that does the producing. You decide whether to put in the Mavs Homer audio, um, the warning for the second one. But the first one is this. That was a great game of basketball. Mm-hmm. The, the Mavs Blazers. The the Blazers are throwing everything they've got at the Mavs, um, and the Mavs are kind of just trying to 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 stay in it and fight back. And is a great game. And then uh, Maxi and and Mello got into it. And there's double technicals and uh, a foul on 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 Maxi um, that I thought was a flop for Melo, but fine, whatever. It's it happens. We got double T's. We're moving on, and the officials decided, well, this game's getting out of control, so we better we better bring it on in. We got to we got to get control of this game, which is one of my my least favorite things that officials can do. Um, it's all well and good to keep control of the game as long as it's not coming at the expense of the actual basketball, the actual flow of the, of the game. And that was a game that was flowing. There was great rhythm. Both, both teams were trading shots back and forth, and it was really fun, enjoyable basketball. And then all of a sudden, we got two guys that are getting into it. Well, we better stop it. We better make sure that it's not getting too competitive out here, like it's a flipping upward game or something. And it turned into free throw fest. Now, look, it went both ways for a stretch, and so... It's hard for me to complain about like the effects or excuse me of the the results of all the foul calls, but it certainly had an effect on the game. And it also it also started in a stretch where the Mavs were I, I think I don't think this is biased, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. 
I think the Mavs were about to pull away from that. And and mm-hmm. I don't not that it was going to turn into a blowout or anything because Dame Lillard is is going nuclear, so whatever, but I think they were about to go on a nice little 10-2 run and push that lead out and then all of a sudden it's foul over here, two free throws, foul over here, two free throws, foul over here, three free throws. It's just no flow to the game whatsoever. The Mavs, I think that hurts the Mavs more than it does the Blazers because the Blazers are kind the Mavs are more of a flow team. It's it's more of a spread and and find and all that sort of stuff. The way that the Blazers have played in the bubble, that is not that's not been the way that it is. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't love that. Um and like to your point, it was becoming a good like a good game and a good finish and the Mavs weren't mm-hmm. actually they weren't cratering like they have been either. And so like it was like we were gonna yeah. finally see them at least try to close the game out. And even if they would have lost it without all that stuff, they were showing better signs of fight than they have in the other mm-hmm. games this this yeah. eight games too. So Yeah, totally. Totally. But it, my I guess my point on that first thing is I don't want a Wizards Nets game to turn into that. You know? Yeah. It's not just that that my team was involved in this. I hate when basketball games turn into college back. I hate when NBA games become college basketball games. And that's what I see. That's what I get when I get, I get three referees that are out there trying to keep control of the game. That's what happens. And, um, now I'll, I'll, I'll whatever. If you feel like <laughs> we need to put in the, the, uh, the Homer thing or, or, or not, I, I, this was the last nine minutes and 23 seconds of the game for the Blazers. Dame free throw, 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 Dame free throw. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven free throws. Five of the free throws that he got, I believe in that out of that seven, no, literally no one touched him. Literally. I don't mean I'm gonna talk in a second about the kind of contact that happens a lot, and then we're just like, hey, probably shouldn't call that, but literally nobody touched him and he got five free throws out of it in a, in a game that they, you know, they ultimately win by three. So that's tough. Um, seven free throws, Dame three, two more Dame free throws, Dame assist to Melo three, great shot. Uh, Nurkic an offensive rebound off of, I think it was Gary Trent that missed the shot. Dame gets two game, Dame free throws, Dame three, Dame assisted to Melo for the three, Dame three, the one that I've, I've never seen that in my entire life. Uh, Mark Stein just posted a video of, of Don Nelson bouncing a ball 20 feet up into the air off the rim and it coming back through. I just, from 30 feet away, that ball had to go 20 feet above the rim. It bounced off the back of the rim, went 20 feet up into the air and came back down for a little tonight. I just, that's, that's unbelievable. And then he made a great read on to Whiteside for a dunk. And, and then they had CJ's uh, free throws after the maps had to foul. That sucks. <laughs> like it's it's all that we do to create more offense in the league is 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 fine. I get it. Offense in theory translates to eyes and viewership and all that sort of stuff, but like and Luca does it too. He doesn't do it to the extent he's not as good at it mm-hmm. as as Lillard is or as Harden is or any of these guys, but when you can set a screen and these guys can shoot from 35 feet out and you can set a screen out there and you've got a defender trying to get over the screen because he has to because you can't just let him shoot and the shooter can just stop and if there's literally any any contact whatsoever it means three free throws something is broken something is wrong with the way that we are we are officiating these games and i don't have a great answer to it um and that's the tough part right like it's tough to come up with with 
other than than telling officials you have to use some common sense with this stuff as far as like we have to have objective rules in the rule book i don't know how you i don't know how you do it i don't know how you write that and i'm pretty good at writing copy for that <laughs> kind of thing or coming up with rules it's really tough at least five of those free throws i'm i'm not kidding i am not biased i'm not homering he was not touched on those shots. And it is, it is impossible to guard a human being that can shoot from 40 feet away when you also can't get close to them without risking that you're going to get three free throws out of it. It's insane. And then, this is where the Homer side of it maybe for real comes in. The, 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 the sixth foul on, on Porzingis. That, yeah, it was garbage. I can't... I, not only was it a terrible call on the floor, if you didn't watch the game, Porzingis, rolled, they got a switch. Gary Trent was guarding Porzingis. He rolled into the paint. He started backing him up like every single post player does in the history of basketball when they get a little guy switched onto him. He backed him up towards the baseline. The pass didn't even go to him because Luca threw it to the corner to, I think, Hardaway or Finney Smith was in the corner. And in the midst of trying to, to push back with his butt... Um, and he got his hands on him, like happens on every single possession when a post player gets, goes down there and you can see clear as day that Gary Trent grabs his arm and brings them both to the ground. It is painfully obvious on the replay that he grabbed his arm and yanks and they both go to the ground and we got an offensive foul on, on Porzingis for his sixth, his sixth of the game. The Mavs were, they challenged it. They were right to challenge it and it gets upheld. I, I, I can't. I that's that's that unfathomable to me that all those eyes could look at that and say, yeah, that's that's an offensive foul. I it's unbelievable. Truly, truly is unbelievable to me. It's bad enough that you screwed it up in the moment. I can't see how anybody could look at that objectively on the screen and say, oh yeah, that's an offensive foul. There is a clear grab and yank on his arm. And so now he's out, and they lose the ball in a what was it at that point a, a one point game or two point game? I don't I don't remember. I think it was a two point game. Yeah. Well, no, it was a one point game at that point. Yeah. Um, they get a stop. They come down the floor. Luca skips across. They they beautiful ball movement. Great pass to 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 Trey Burke. Burke catches it in the paint. Whiteside's there. He dumps it over to Finney Smith in the corner. Finney Smith drains the three. We should have been up one at that point. Two. We should have been up two at that point. Um, and the refs call an offensive foul on on Trey Burke for clearing. Yeah, out. that three would have put us up two with the, and given them like four seconds left, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they call an offensive foul on Trey Burke for for quote unquote for clearing out um, for Dame Lillard on the screen. Yeah, which a Dame, Lillard flopped. Hard. I mean, hard there, no, there's no hardcore. It wasn't a man. He took the he took the contact and and you know and really sold it. He full on flopped. And number two, that happens in an NBA game forty times a game. That happens constantly. You toss that pass and you make contact with the defender. It it is a perpetual thing that goes on in this league. And to call it in that moment with the game on the line, um, especially right after the, the the Porzingis play on the, the possession before, I just it wouldn't have hurt as bad too because it's <laughs> it all it all kind of 
was a Murphy's Law of garbage because then we couldn't challenge that call because we already yeah. challenged the stupid right. call that you had against Porzingis that should have been overturned. <laughs> if you would have overturned that call, then we would have still had a challenge left. But no, because you guys, that's the that's the part that hurts is that. You know, and I'm not. I have no faith that they would have overturned that call either. But it, you could have at least gotten them, gotten them to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. and we couldn't yeah. do that because of your stupid call against Porzingis. You know, just straight garbage. I just, I don't. Like I said, I, I can fully admit, I, 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 I bark at the refs constantly. I mean, you and I coach together, so you know, God bless those refs. Um, it's. I, but at the end of the day, I I've, I almost I don't know how many times since 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 the 06 finals that I've walked away saying we were cheated out of a game tonight. Not not man, there were some bad calls. Not oof, we really got the the the, the bad end of of the officials tonight. Not even man, the refs sucked tonight. To where I can walk away and say that felt like the NBA said, we got to get Portland in this thing. We got to get, we got to make sure that they, we're losing Zion. So we got to make sure that we're going to get Dame time against the Lakers in the first round. We got to make sure this happens. Yeah. And that, I never say that. I never say that. I never walk away from a game that kind of angry because I think that's just a loser mentality mm-hmm. more often than not. And look, I can point out 10 things that the Mavs did poorly, 20 things that the Mavs did poorly tonight that should have resulted in if you you know most of the time I'll come on here and I'll say if you give up 61 points to one guy you deserve to lose that's just that's the way it goes you can't give up 61 points to somebody and and be sulky that you lost the game but good gosh those kinds of calls and the way they went down it's really really hard not to say that was that was a that was a Tim Donahue type thing. That was an yeah. NBA directive. Get Portland into. And I just knocked my frame off my desk. I'm getting so frustrated. That felt like that very much felt like we we got literally we actually got cheated out of a win tonight. Well, and, it, and by the way, it matters. It really matters because if the the Mavs against the Clippers is a five game series at best for for Dallas. And if they win tonight, they move into the 6th seed. And all they got to do is beat Phoenix on on uh Thursday. And and well, you can't say all. Who knows if that Phoenix happens? I don't know. <laughs> sure. I know. I know. I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but your your destiny is sort of in your control at that point. Mm-hmm. If Utah loses tomorrow at San Antonio and Utah has shown no interest in winning basketball games. So, look, the Mavs have themselves to blame for blowing the, the game against against Houston, for blowing the game against Phoenix, um, for tonight, for the fact that Rick still refuses to play MKG and loves Justin Jackson so much, and then MKG gets in there and actually makes a, a difference in the defensive scheme yeah. of the game. Shocker. Um that they missed six free throws in the fourth quarter, that um, Luca had t- two opportunities to drive and instead took the step back three that he's in love with. Now, one of them he made up for by they got the offensive rebound and, and got a, mm-hmm. got a, an easy score out of it. And so there are plenty of things that, that you can say, hey, you had the opportunity to, to not be in this spot and you blew it. You, you mess it up on your own self. And, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm usually very willing to say that kind of thing. Those two calls were bull just full on that was bull that felt like during a timeout that somebody called the ref and said hey um look we really we need portland in this make sure make sure if there's any opportunity that you get portland in the game and good gracious 
they certainly don't need any help when this dude's scoring 61 points, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm grumpy. Yeah, I mean, I agree. So that's fun. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's just that that's the, that's the thing is, like, it's you can't come away from a game like that questioning what was the reasoning behind all those calls because and that's what we yeah. did you know and they and they were giving us some some calls back that were questionable as well but you can't argue with the the KP call the questionable oh, charge call gosh. and the fact that Dane was just at the line basically every trip down to the, the mm-hmm. court you know for mm-hmm. the last 5 minutes so right and again it ruined a great game it ruined it the flow of a really really good basketball game and that that drives me nuts even if my team wasn't the one that's taking it in the pants yeah. you know it's i don't know um all right man we've we've gone on long enough uh we uh we uh we i try, I try we try really hard i think to to avoid just full on i'm going to be angry about maverick related stuff um but it's anyway, kind of hard when the, when, when that's like the ninth game that the last 2 minute report's going to say yeah. that we should have won basically i just i'm just real i'm real frustrated with taking those you, you would think at some point the sports karma would would catch up and and go our direction, but you know, hey. But on the flip side of that, it sure is nice to be angry about three bad officials instead of um, COVID or yep. whatever. So it's nice to have that kind of distraction. All right, uh, we've gone on long enough. Thank you for listening, listeners. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for putting up with my my frustration and yelling about the Mavs games. Um, we will be back next week, um, and by then. Boy, I wish we had time to do. I don't know. We we'll see how we'll see how these play in this play in tournament thing works. Um, maybe we'll have to do an emergency podcast at some point. But by the time we get back together next week, we will have playoff stand or excuse me, playoff seedings and and the brackets. Um, we'll already be I think a day into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Next yeah, week, the playoffs start like on Monday. <laughs> okay, so we'll actually even have some playoff games under our belt. We'll probably break down some of the the matchups in the playoffs. I'm super stoked. I think there's going to be. A couple of really good matchups. There's gonna be a couple that will stink, but that's okay. That's how it always is in the first round of the playoffs. I think we'll get some really cool stuff, uh, and I'm excited to talk about playoff basketball with you um, next week, Tobin. Um, if you like what you heard, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, help us out. Tell a friend. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us a whole bunch to carve out a niche market in this very cramped space. If you'll uh, if you'll tell your friends and uh, leave us a five star rating and a five star review on iTunes or Spotify, uh, and in that review. Tell us the most random or obscure NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past, and we like to read those out at the end of the show. Like I said, we'll be back next week to to talk playoff basketball. Can't wait, man. It's going to be a blast. Woo! Until then, stay hard, Roddy Rogers. He had any... Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, dude! That is a wrap.